Welcome to Nobody Told Me. I'm Jan Black. And I'm Laura Owens. We are so very excited about our guest on this segment. He's Mastin Kipp, who is a best-selling author, speaker, and creator of functional life coaching for people who are seeking rapid transformation in their lives. Mastin's latest book is called Claim Your Power, a 40-day journey to dissolve the hidden blocks that keep you stuck and finally thrive in your life's unique purpose. Mastin, thank you so much for joining us. Oh my gosh, it's a pleasure to be here, you guys. Thanks for having me. It's, a, it's an honor to be here today. Oprah Winfrey has called you a thought leader of the next generation of spiritual thinkers. How did you go from admittedly hitting rock bottom in life to being somebody that Oprah and a lot of other people look up to for guidance? Uh, To be honest, I'm still uh, wondering that myself a little bit. Um, But I will tell you that, uh, you know, I've I've been through a lot in my life. and, And at some point, I decided to do my best to stop passing on my suffering to people consciously or unconsciously and to do my best to figure a way to serve and add value and be of service. And that mindset shift and really focusing on that, I know that that's rather cliche, but that is literally uh, how it happened because uh, I was able to sort of, you know, get sort of on the radar through adding value, through being consistent and through really dedicating my life to being of service. I'm probably one of the worst people in the world uh, at transactions and, and transacting on relationships. But when it comes to giving and serving and caring, um, I've sort of had that wired in my nervous system. And so when I decided to stop passing on the suffering and serve, that created a chain of events that somehow created that. But that's really all I know. It's still sort of a mystery to me. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to us a little bit about how the daily love came about and that one powerful week in your life that you've referred to that changed everything. Sure. So and just for a little bit of context, you know, the work that I do now, uh, the functional life coaching um, and everything that's associated with, with trauma, you know, the reason why we, I do that work is because um, the trauma work, the emotional piece, the emotional blocks, that's the most important work. It's the best work you can do for high performance, for uh, romantic relationships, for starting a business, for weight loss, health and wellness, anything that you want to create in your life, the trauma and the emotional blocks, that work is the most important stuff. And I figured that out through a lot of experience. And so I had, you know, come from Kansas. My father was a medic in Vietnam. He had, uh, was on the front lines for three years, had significant uh, shock trauma and PTSD. My mother grew up in an emotional, emotionally abusive childhood um, and broke her back when she was 13. And they got together in their 20s. And, you know, they, you know, it was the 60s and there was a lot of drugs. And the doctors told them, uh, my mom, not to have any kids. And she said, you know what, I'm going to have one. And she had me and that made it worse. And so I grew up in this environment where she was, you know, on opiates. She was on benzos. She was bedridden. And my father was doing the best to take care of her. And the messaging from the environment at the time was, you know what, like take care of her and put your needs aside. And it wasn't intentional, but I got the message that serving or taking care of her was more important than taking care of me. And that translated so that when I moved to Los Angeles, I had gotten into the music business and I had had uh, some success and then I did not have some success because of drugs and alcohol. And what happened was one week I was, you know, sort of trying to start a business and thinking about should I leave the corporate, you know, music business world and, and after everything I had created in the management space and working with Grammy winners and stuff like that. And I was praying for abundance. And in one week uh, during that time, my lower back went out. <laughs> I got gout in my left foot. Um, <laughs> Uh, I, my girl, the girl that I was dating left 
uh, my partner in the current business I was in left. My roommate moved out. Like it was this train of events. I think I even got like a lien on one of my accounts for something. I don't even know what I didn't pay. And I was like, how is this possible? I'm not stupid or smart enough to make this all happen at once. Um, something else has to be happening here. And I had just enough awareness to think, you know what? Maybe this is the answer to the prayer. And so I decided to kind of double down on this like part-time blog called The Daily Love. And again, it was sort of focused on serving and helping. And that was something that was really ingrained in me. And I'd gotten away from helping when I was in the music business and really was focused on myself and my career and stuff like that. So I decided to go back. But the problem was there was no guaranteed paycheck. So I moved back in with my ex-girlfriend's parents, which is like so millennial, um, (laughs) to start a blog, right? Um, And no one knew what a blog was back then. And, uh, and ended up just every day being consistent. And eventually that consistency of publishing and, and bringing other people on the platform and, and featuring other people, you know, sort of, I got the word out and it was a lot of viral organic growth. And, um, that, that was really how it all sort of got started. And, uh, so a, a producer from Harpo, uh, was someone who had found out about it through word of mouth. And that's sort of how I got the introduction into that space. But um, I think there's just a lot of consistency and there was a lot of intuitive decision making and there was a lot of uh, adding value and, there, and the consistency was the most important part because I remember a time at you know, the end of the Daily Love, we were 7 million people a month and the, it started with three people on our email list. It was me, my mom and my second email address. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, it was, that consistency can pay off. I, I'm, you know, obviously, you guys are a testament to that. Well, you know, I found one of your quotes interesting. You say that we all get hit by divine storms at some point in life. We all have times when life and God and the universe all seem to be against us and when what used to work doesn't work anymore. And we find that our power and our purpose is gone. What's to blame or who's to blame for that? (laughs) Uh, Blame you. Um, (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But um, the, the thing about a crisis or a divine storm is that what the, the purpose of a crisis, whether it's a personal crisis or a national crisis or a global crisis, the true purpose is to illuminate or make conscious or bring awareness or understanding to the underlying dysfunctional pattern that has to change. Because everything that happens, whether it's a crisis in your life, it's a chronic illness, it's a mental health problem, we we view these wrong. We we don't view them correctly. We call something a disorder that's not a disorder. We call something an illness that's not really an illness. It's more a response to an underlying emotional or physical trauma. And so the important thing to understand is is that when you come to a place in your life where there's a crisis, this has been coming for a long time, right? It's not like one day you wake up and you catch a divorce, or you <laughs> wake up and you catch diabetes, right? Like it's right. been happening a long period of time and it gets to a boiling point and it finally gets your attention. And it, that's the moment we get to say, why did this happen to me? And we know the answer because there's an underlying dysfunctional pattern. And through the process of, you know, functional coaching and understanding, you know, how to you know, get to the root emotional cause, the root physical cause, you can take that crisis and use it as a catalyst for change. So what advice would you have for somebody who's in the midst of that really rough situation right now? And how do you get them to realize that when things are going wrong in their lives, they may actually be going well for the first time? (laughs) Yeah, well, it all depends on their willingness. You know, um, I know that for me, there was a point in my life where I would hit rock bottom with a shovel and like ask for like a stronger tool, you know, like like a drill or something, you know. (laughs) 
I just, I just wanted to keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, but at some point I said, you know what, like this, I, I just, I can't do this anymore. So if there is willingness, just a, just an ounce of willingness, then there's so much more that can happen. And the, with the functional coaching process, what we do is we really look at the root emotional block that's holding you back. And so what we do is we look at, we do a very simple analysis from behavior, like what's the behavior that you want to change or the behavior that's not working out for you. And we can trace that all the way back to its emotional root cause. And what's so fascinating is that we can now see through all the modern science and all the experiential data of our clients that whatever behavior you're doing that is preventing you from going to the next level isn't necessarily just because there's a limiting belief or there's a bad behavior there. It's actually a defensive response because there's a part of you that interprets whatever you want in life as a threat. So when you start to realize that, oh my goodness, you know, what used to happen to me, um, you know, I had to cope in a certain way, but now that I'm trying to change my life, now that I'm trying to live my dreams or my purpose, I have to change my behavior. But to do that, a part of me views that as a threat. It won't let that happen. So we have to, instead of trying to just medicate it or instead of trying to just reframe it or change your mindset, you have to start to realize that, you know what, your nervous system is on your side and it's trying to keep you safe. And you have to understand and address why do you think it's scary to go to the next level? And is that entirely true? And that's what the functional coaching process is about, is about really getting down to that root emotional block and realizing, you know what, that may have been true when you were 20, 15, 10, 7, 5, et cetera. But today, here and now, that's not true anymore. So let's move forward. And so what we help people do is instead of just, you know, change their thoughts, we help them make their nervous system their ally. And so when they're not, things are not going well, it's actually a moment to celebrate to say, you know what? Maybe I'm finally in enough pain that I can change because people either change through uh, joy or through pain. To change through pain, most people get to a place where they're stuck and then they, they get a, a boiling over point and they stop. To change through joy means that you have to pay attention to very subtle nudges and have a lot of faith and trust and make a lot of non-linear, non-obvious choices that seem very counterintuitive to everybody else. And it takes a level of skill. So if you're going through a crisis, it's a time to celebrate because you've never been closer to a breakthrough. Interesting. I know your latest book is called Claim Your Power, A 40-Day Journey to Dissolve the Hidden Blocks That Keep You Stuck and Finally Thrive in Your Life's Unique Purpose. So give us an overview of what happens in that 40-day journey and who should embark on it. Sure. So I think, you know, purpose um, and trauma are directly correlated because what I found, and this is 100% of the time, is that whatever someone's been through, whatever it is, gives a rich context and a rich empathy to be able to take that pain, take that suffering and transform it into something meaningful. And that something meaningful is purpose. And the, you know, so the clinical definition of purpose is something that stimulates goals or behavior and provides meaning. And that's a little sort of vague. The way that I view purpose is a very simple, which is if you look at every goal in life that you want to achieve financially, romantically, spiritually, you name it, The reason why you want to achieve that goal, weight loss, whatever it is, is because there's a certain feeling that you're going for. So when you're in a relationship, you're looking for, you know, security, connection, compassion, empathy, romance, excitement. When you lose the weight, you're looking for, you know, a sense of self-validation. You're looking for energy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. When you try to make money, you're looking for, you know, certainty or freedom. Those are emotional targets that we're going for. And what most people do, especially high performers, is they think that that their emotional states will be essentially 
you know, always good if they can change their external world by achieving a goal. The problem is, is that that lasts about two seconds. And so what we help people do is reverse engineer. And the way that I view purpose is really is an emotional state. So your purpose is an emotion that you generate within yourself and then you express to the world in the form of service. And this is true in a relationship. No one ever got divorced because they were just always in the best emotional states together, right? This is true in a business. If you look at like what makes a great business, it's culture, which is just shared emotional states. When you look at, uh, you know, creating raving fan clients or, you know, uh, people who purchase your product or love it, that's transferring emotional states and creating good emotional states in your, in your clients or in your consumers. So everything is about emotion. And if we go chasing goals, we'll be filled up for a second. But if we really focus on the emotion that we want to feel and what do we got to do to feel that way and then serve others by sharing that emotion with them in the different contexts of our lives, you'll never, ever, ever run out of a purpose. Ever. Our Nobody Told Me conversation continues as we help spread the word about our sponsor, Blissey. Blissey, spelled B-L-I-S-S-Y, makes all kinds of products to help you get a great night's sleep. I've been sleeping on a Blissey Mulberry Silk pillowcase this past week, and it's made a wonderful difference in the quality of my sleep. Me too. Seriously, because silk is what's best for your hair and your skin. It reduces frizz, tangles, and prevents breakage. That's because it keeps the moisture in your hair and keeps your skincare products and natural moisture on your skin, unlike cotton does. With the Blissey pillowcase, you can say goodbye to wrinkly skin in the morning and wake up with healthier and shinier hair you can be proud of. I love I love the way my skin looks and the way my hair feels after sleeping on a Blissey pillowcase. And I love the fact that Blissey's pillowcases regulate temperature, keeping you cool at night. The entire pillow is cool to the touch. No more sweaty nights spent tossing and turning as you search for the cool side of your pillow. Blissey pillowcases are made of 100% mulberry silk, which is naturally hypoallergenic, so you can sleep more comfortably without itching or rashes. And unlike other silk pillowcases, Blissey's are machine washable and durable. With the holidays just around the corner, why not give the gift of better sleep? And what better gift could you give? And Blissey products come in gift-ready packaging. Blissey is the 2021 Good Housekeeping winner for Best Bedding, so you can rest assured that you're giving a great gift. Everybody loves them. They have a ton of different prints and colors, and they make great gifts because there's an option for literally anyone, even kids. They have over 1 million raving fans, and you could be Next. Try now risk-free for 60 nights at blissy.com slash nobody and get an additional 30% off. That's B-L-I-S-S-Y dot com slash nobody and use code nobody to get an additional 30% off. Your skin and hair will thank you. Sleep better with Blissy and use code nobody to get an additional 30% off at blissy.com slash nobody. And Blissy has set up a great web page for our listeners. So if you're looking for a better night's sleep for yourself or someone on your gift list, check out the wonderful products and fantastic deals at blissy.com slash nobody. Inc. Magazine said that you might be the next Tony Robbins. And anyone who's listened to our show before knows that my mom and I are massive fans of Tony Robbins. So this was something that was very exciting to both of us. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) We're, we're, We're wondering, how do you feel about that? And what makes your mission unique and different from Tony's? It's a great question. So first of all, there's only one Tony Robbins. That's uh, true. There won't be, a, there won't be another Tony Robbins. Um, and there's only one Mastin Kip. 
Um, there's only one me. <laughs> yeah. And there won't be another one. Um, I will say that I am incredibly inspired by him. Uh, he's a friend. He's a mentor. Um, his events, his work has completely changed the course of my career and my life. And I was fascinated by his ability to do intervention and to get such rapid change. I'm, you know, watching him facilitate is like one of the great joys of my life is to watch him do his thing. And the big distinction uh, between Tony's work and my work, and I took about two or three years in delaying putting this book out because I did not have an answer to that question. Huh, <laughs> interesting. I, I had to figure, I knew there was something different, but I didn't know what it was. And I figured it out. And so Tony is the best at the world at helping people get into a peak state. He's the best at helping them, uh, you know, get into that high performance state. And I, I'm not going to say I'm the best in the world, but I'm really good at helping people make that cha- emotional state change feel safe and last. Because what happens is if you don't have a trauma-informed approach where you're taking the nervous system into account, you're taking in the root cause trauma into account, and you don't understand um, really how trauma impacts high performance and how trauma impacts results, then it's not a full picture. And so I've spent a lot of time looking at the neurobiological response to trauma, the mindset response to trauma, the body's response to trauma. And what's interesting is, is that, you know, um, in fact, our mental health system is so wrong because when you diagnose someone with a disorder, nothing could be further from the truth. An- anxiety disorder or post-traumatic stress disorder is not a disorder. It's a response. Mm-hmm. It should be a post-traumatic stress response to the underlying emotional trauma and physical trauma that's there. So what I help people do is really look at what happened in your past that made moving forward feel unsafe, that made speaking up or taking up space be unsafe, and how can we then start to change your nervous system associations to make it feel safe to move forward? And that's really the difference. And in many ways, what I do is a, a, a much more basic than what Tony does because um, you know it's, it's really focused on the root emotional cause of what's holding people back. And Tony is really, really good at getting people to go forward. But what I've found is when you really start to identify and heal and calm and help the nervous system feel safe about uh, what, what used to keep you stuck and what was you know, a pain from your past, you can absolutely accelerate results in an incredible way. So we kind of look at the same problem from two different perspectives. You advise people to ask themselves, how do I want to feel and how do I want those I serve to feel? Elaborate on that, if you will. Everything is feeling. Everything, everything is feeling. And one of my favorite recent examples of this was J.J. Abrams when he was working with Lawrence Kasdan to write The Force Awakens, the the most recent Star Wars film that launched the series, Episode 7. He started uh, by asking the question, how do we want the audience to feel, right? And that's what informed the entire script writing process. You know, Disney had just bought the the franchise for $4 billion. There's a lot riding on it, right? Everything is about an emotional state. And so if you don't take the emotional state into consideration, then you're never really going to hit a target. And so when we work with clients, we always ask, how do we want them to feel? I know exactly what my partner uh, needs to feel the way that she wants to feel in a consistent basis. She knows what I need uh, to feel on a consistent basis. So the emotions are the name of the game. And so that's why I really believe moving forward, especially with all the artificial intelligence that's coming out with all of the different things that are emerging technologically, it's really the soft skills that are going to be most valuable in the future. The ability to have empathy, communication, compassion, relationship, those are going to be the skills of the future. And that's an emotional game. It's not a logical game. It's not a high performance game of mindset. It's a, it's see, the thing about mindset and logic is it's very logical. It's very process oriented, but emotions are not. 
And the thing is, all the buying behaviors, all the mating behaviors, all the behaviors of the stuff that we love to do and like makes life great are really emotional decisions. And so it's really about focusing on the emotions. And when you realize how your customers want to feel, how your partner wants to feel, how you want to feel, and you start to reverse engineer what has to happen to make it happen, you get three primary skill sets. You get the emotional awareness, which is, well, how do I feel? How do I want to feel? Most people don't know, especially if you have trauma because you've just been so dissociated from the body. Then you start to get into emotional intelligence, which says, okay, well, now that I know how I want to feel, what has to happen for me to feel that way? And the next level is emotional fitness, which is now I got to do it. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm curious to know how you do do that if you're somebody who is recovering from a trauma like the death of a loved one or the breakup of a relationship. How do you put that into action? Great question. So, so it, it's all personalized. So every person's situation and circumstance is different because not only are what they're going through, is, is it different? But what they went through before what they're going through is also different. So their, their childhood and their experiences up until that point and the environment that they're in. But in general, what you want to do is uh, the most important thing is to realize that I'm going to use some technical terms here, but I'll explain myself. The, the, the aim of a lot of therapy practices and personal development practices is to help you what's called self-regulate your emotions, which means what do you have to do to feel good, right? Self-regulation is to help yourself feel good. And regulation of emotions is like a thermostat, right? It's not too high. It's not too low. I don't get too manic. I don't get too depressed. I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling joy. I'm feeling contentment most of the time. And the message of the mental health community is if you can't self-regulate by yourself, we will medicate you because right. something's wrong with you. Order. But that is not what the data shows. What the data shows is we are social creatures and the markers and the cues for self-regulation are built into co-regulation. And what that means is you really can't do it by yourself, unfortunately. And so it's also about being uh, in relationship, not being in isolation, not being in withdrawal, and creating a safe place for someone to go through a process. Because a lot of times when we're in pain, when we're grieving, we isolate, we hide, especially with chronic illness, Chronic illness is a really, really good excuse to isolate and sometimes for good reason because you can't get out of bed. But isolation is probably one of the worst things that you can do. So what we do is in our programs, you know, all of our um, staff, our customer service, me, our coaches, everyone's trauma informed. We have a lot of people on our team who have, you know, masters and PhDs and things like this, you know, decades of trauma therapy. And one of the things that we're always looking for is how to help personalize the co-regulation process with them so that they know that they're not alone. Because when people have a healthy attachment to a friend, to a group, when they're really feeling safe, that's how the healing can start to really start to manifest. And then once they're feeling safe, then we can start to revisit the stuff that um, was you know, from their past and start to create a different context and meaning around it. And what's interesting is that you know, the general public kind of views therapy as going backwards. And coaching is going forwards. And I thought that was a little bit ridiculous because you need a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. You can't just hang in your past because that's boring. And you can't just move forward because you're going to come up against these blocks. They're going to keep you stuck. So what we do is we go back in order to go forward. And we do that not with our clients in isolation, but also with a peer group and also with a, a tribe of people because it's through the relationships of others that we heal. You cannot do it by yourself. This episode is sponsored by Ritual. We're glad to have you as part of our Nobody Told Me family of listeners, and we want to tell you about Ritual's essential protein products. As you may know, 
Protein powders can be intimidating, but the fact is that we all need protein. It's not just about muscles. Protein helps support bone health and so much more. And as we go through life, our protein needs change. So it's important to choose a mix for different life stages. Ritual's Essential Protein is a delicious plant-based protein powder with three distinct formulas designed to meet the body's changing protein needs during various life stages. There's Daily Shake 18+, Daily Shake 50+, and Daily Shake Pregnancy and Postpartum. Each of these three thoughtful formulas contains 20 grams of pea protein per serving. Ritual's Essential Protein Powder is a good foundation for your health that's easy to incorporate into your daily rituals. I just add water, shake, and sip, and I love the great taste. So do I, and we think you will too. It's a delicious handcrafted vanilla flavor from sustainably harvested Madagascar vanilla bean extract. There's no added sugar or sugar alcohols. It's soy-free, gluten-free, and non-GMO. We've used Ritual's products for several years, and we're big fans of their multivitamin and gut health products as well. We really appreciate that with Ritual's one-of-a-kind visible supply chain, you know the what, how, and why of every labeled ingredient. Ritual offers a super flexible subscription service with free shipping for subscribers. Ready to shake up your protein ritual? Our Nobody Told Me listeners get 10% off during your first three months at ritual.com slash NTM. Ritual even offers a money-back guarantee if you're not 100% in love. Visit ritual.com slash NTM today for 10% off your first three months. Again, that's ritual.com slash NTM for 10 percent off your first three months. You say who you choose to spend your life with is the most important decision you will ever make. Explain. Well, that I think was in context to a romantic partner. Uh-huh. And, you know, like, it, like that's, there's no one you're going to co-regulate more with than your partner. Right, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Like, to feed off of each other's facial expressions and tone of voice and body language. And, you know, if you've been with someone long enough, there's that one face. And if they make that one face, it either means, oh, my God, sweetie, amazing, or it means what I do. <laughs> right? Right? They don't need to or, say a word, right? Exactly. Or, or there's a certain tone, right? Uh-huh. And what's interesting is that, you know, the data is becoming very clear on this, that, you know, facial expression, tone of voice, and body language, when we have a reaction to something, um, it actually happens bef- like we change our facial expressions and tone of voice before we even realize it. Our bodies are making all these decisions and the tone, the face changes automatically because the purpose of facial expressions and tone of voice is, you know, when you go back to sort of caveman days to uh, share threat, threat assessment. So we don't have time to consciously think about how we want our face or tone to be because if we had to think about it, that might be too late. So we have these automatic threat detectors in our body that are not that good at detecting threat say like in a relationship because you know if your partner is making a certain facial expression and you interpret that as they did that intentionally well then you're going to determine that as a threat versus realizing they don't even know they're making that face they don't even know they sound like that and so when it comes to your partner and who you spend time with you know who you co-regulate with who you you know they're either lifting you up or building you know um, and building you up or they're you know kind of criticizing you and stuff like that that's going to determine how successful you are long term because it's who you wake up with, it's who you go to bed with, it's who you spend time with. You know, are they breathing life into your dreams or are they not? Because you know, sometimes you can be sleeping next to your worst enemy and sometimes you can – this is the worst. When you feel utterly alone in bed next to someone, right? Mm-hmm. So the goal is when you, when you pick your partner, 
that's one of the most important choices you'll ever make. And no, none of our relationship material or none of our training will ever work if you make the wrong selection. <laughs> it just won't yeah. work. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So we mentioned before that Oprah and Tony Robbins are huge fans of yours. And I'm just going to use their names um, because everybody knows who these people are. What qualities do you think that they have or what did they do differently that nobody else really does? Because they both came from not the best circumstances. They both went through rough times after their childhoods. And yet, how did they become people we so admire? And why are they so successful compared to other people who have gone through similar circumstances? Wow. Um, wow. I think, wow. Um, I've actually never been asked that question before. Um, oh, there you go. It's a good one. Now you have. <laughs> yeah. So, so if I think about it, I'm, I'm kind of just thinking about it right now. Um, what I would say is a couple things, um, either consciously or unconsciously and probably consciously, they decided to take the suffering and the trauma that they went through and to serve other people with it. And intentionally or unintentionally put themselves in environments that supported that. And I think that's so important because, you know, when you look at personal development and you look at spiritual growth and you look at things like a vision board or you look at things like, you know, affirmations or you look at things like, you know, reading a book or whatever, that stuff is great. But if you're in an environment that says you're not enough or that you'll never be enough or you'll never mount anything or that there's always threat, no personal development will be able to outperform that environment. Like think of it this way, like you can't lose weight inside Dunkin' Donuts. You know what I mean? Like you you can't do it. Right. So, so, so at some point they intentionally put themselves into an environment of possibility. And I think that's one of the most important things is that it's not just enough to, to read the books and to, you know, to take in the information, you have to protect the environment that you're in and make sure that your environment matches your beliefs of who you want to become and supports who you're becoming and doesn't keep you stuck in who you were. And that's a really hard thing to do for a lot of people because you got to break away from the approval of your you know, parents or your tribe or your family. But getting into the right environment and then dedicating yourself to serving other people really has a, a tremendous game changer. And both of them have in their own way um, a very high priority on service, but they've also put themselves. I mean, you know, Tony talks about what he did to get in those Jim Rome seminars. Like he he took out a loan from a bank, you know, to do that. He begged the guy to do it. So he did whatever he could to be in the environment. And I think the environment, being in the being in the right environment, is probably one of the most important things people can do. You know, ours is a two-generational show. Laura is a millennial and I'm her mother. And I'm wondering which generation do you think is most likely to be open to dissolving the blocks that keep them (laughs) stuck in life? Is it the millennials? Is it their parents? I think, I mean, generationally, if I had to uh, generalize, I would probably say the the millennials. Um, And it's not that the parents aren't, but but what I would say is, is that but it's probably even too, because I think also their parents are getting to a place where they're like, oh man, something's going on here. I got to change it too. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're maybe in a little bit of a different pain. There's a life transition that's happening. Um, a lot of stuff happens in life transition um, where like, you know, a lot of things come to the surface. But the other thing is, is that with millennials, the difference is, is that, you know, in a sense, especially in the ones younger than me, you know, we grew up with a lot of this stuff. It wasn't like new and we had access to things through the internet. So a lot of this stuff that like, you know, sort of the, the non-millennial generation takes is like was new mm-hmm. for the millennials. It's sort of like, yeah, I know that already. What's next? Right. Right. And so I think that there's definitely um, that conversation being had. And I also think that because of the environment 
globally of what's happening right now, I'm noticing most people are open to this conversation now around trauma work and, and as a high performance tool because they're like, how did we get here? <laughs> like, right, how did this happen? Right. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it's like, well, there's only one answer, guys. And it's about the trauma. It's not about, uh, you know, a political affiliation or anything. It's about the trauma. And when I start talking about trauma, I also like to say that what I, when I talk about it, it's not an excuse for bad behavior, but it is an explanation of what's happening. Mm-hmm. And those are two totally different things. Um, but I, I'm finding more and more people are open to it. It's interesting how you talked about how important our support group is around us and how it's important not to isolate ourselves, even if we feel like we want to. Because I'm thinking about how a lot of my, I don't want to call them friends, but I guess people that I've known in the past, certainly during high school and before then, were people who weren't necessarily as supportive of me as I would have wanted. And it was almost like being around them made me feel like I was less capable of doing things, even though on the surface they tried to act like they were a friend. What suggestions would you have for somebody who has a lot of naysayers in their life, but they really want to go to the next level? Yeah, it's a great question. So, so isolation, uh, this is a great distinction. So, so it doesn't mean that you should hang out with people who don't believe in you or who are takers, right? It's definitely better to have a level of, of, of self-protection and discernment to not be around people like that. But it is about being intentional about getting into a tribe or peer group or a friend set or support group or an environment that matches your beliefs and values. And, you know, in high school, you don't really have that uh, discernment or ability typically, at least not until you can drive, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know. And then as you get older, um, it's something that you can start to choose into. But what's interesting is, is that the latest research shows that not only is there a fight or flight response that uh, can be automatic and create hypervigilance and, and this like sense of like, I'm always defending myself, but there's also this response, which is the withdrawal or isolation response. And it's automatic. Like you ever go to the doctor and kind of like, they kind of like tap your knee and your, your leg kicks out. It's like a response. Yeah. Reflex. Yeah. The isolation is a, is a reflex. And because for mammals, what happens is when the presence of, of a life threat, the last resort is basically to feign death and to play dead. Like maybe if I play dead, the predator will go away. Yeah. So what happens is, is that especially in the age of social media is that like, you know, quitting your job or being in a toxic relationship or starting a business or whatever it is that your next level thing is can seem scary. And what happens is, is that we have this feign death thing where we're like, oh, I'm going to like just isolate. And isolation is the exact same thing as feigning death. And so what happens is, is that we can get stuck in that. And it's like, how do I get unstuck? Well, one of the best ways to get unstuck is, is getting a group of people who are doing what you want to be doing because it's a different set of cues that you're getting from the environment. And so it's more about upgrading the peer group than just tolerating anybody. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> no. You know, if, yeah, if you want to, if you, if you're, if uh, I say this to people a lot, some people are like, I want to break, I don't want to break up with him. I'm like, what is your criteria? Like, do you just want to be around someone who's breathing and has a beating heart? <laughs> you know, like, if that's the case, just go hang out with someone who's in a coma. They'll treat you better. You know? Right. Like, <laughs> you know, I never thought of it that way, but I think there's a lot of people, a lot of my friends included, yeah. who who should be hanging out with somebody like that. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> you know, Mastin, our show is called Nobody Told Me, and we always ask our guests, what is your nobody told me lesson. What is it that nobody told you in life or or in this career journey that you've been on that you sort of wish someone had told you that you had to learn on your own? Yeah, it's such a good question. I love that about this show. So I think um, it's sort of a two-part answer, which is this. Number one is, no matter what, you're going to be okay. 
you're gonna it, you're gonna be okay. All I right, like you're that. gonna make it. It's a ride. Don't believe the highs. Don't believe the lows. Right. Just enjoy the process. It's all gonna be okay. You're gonna learn through contrast, and you're gonna learn through highs, and you're gonna learn through lows. Don't get too attached to either one. It's just a ride. Number one. The second thing, uh, the second part of that answer is the only thing that's really stopping you is your unresolved emotional trauma. And you can have a lot of compassion for yourself and is, and you can have a lot of compassion for other people, but hurt people hurt people. And if you want to know why is someone doing that, it's because they have a trauma that's unresolved and they literally do not know better. So do your best to remember that you can't punish people out of pain. You can't blame people out of pain. You can't make people wrong uh, who are in pain and expect them to change. You have to create safer environments for everybody. And that it's not about liking what they do. It's about loving them, not because you have to, but because God loves them too. I think those two sort of things, uh, I wish I would have known a lot earlier. No one told me. Oh, those, sure. are, those are fantastic answers. Wow. Yes, and thank you so much for those. We've both really admired you so much and listened to interviews with you. And uh, we've just really been excited to, to talk with you. So how can other people connect with you on oh. social media and how can they learn more about you? I appreciate that. Well, first of all, it's been such a pleasure to be here. And, and the, you know, it's a mutual admiration society. So thank you so much. And everything is just Mastinkip. So .com, Instagram, Twitter, you name it, everything is there. And uh, the Claim Your Power book, one of the things I'm proud about is that we put together this free coaching process with it. It's nothing to buy. Uh, but when you get the book, I literally put together uh, 40 days of coaching with you through the book because most people don't read it, right? Um, so we coached, I coach you through the most important parts of it. And if you go to claimyourpowerbook.com, you can get access to that course there, like on the house. And my job is to just make sure people consume it and get it. And so that's why I put that together. Wow. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. It's my pleasure. Our guest has been bestselling author Mastin Kip. Again, his latest book is called Claim Your Power, a 40-day journey to dissolve the hidden blocks that keep you stuck and finally thrive in your life's unique purpose. His website is mastinkip.com. I'm Jan Black. And I'm Laura Owens. You're listening to Nobody Told Me. Thanks for joining us. 